Hi, um, I have Claudio today. Um, he's a very good friend, friend of mine. I've known him for five years. We both went to Drexel together. And I think the first time I met Claudio was at this globe party outside the freshman dorms. Um, right, Claudio? Yeah, that's where we had uh, our friend group first formed, essentially. And I remember it was it was like the, what the neon paint, and it was really a pain to take it out of your eyes and hair the next day. I don't know how. Uh, do oh, you I, didn't, that I didn't do that <laughs> <laughs> because I remember it was outside the dumps. Um, um, but it was nice, yeah. But yeah, thank thank you, Claudio, uh, for joining me today. Um, so how how was your weekend? <laughs> it was good. Um, didn't do much. Just uh, my main focus right now is practicing for my upcoming gmat uh, yeah G-Mat. and i'm also okay. uh i also want to get into podcasting and content production so i was still i'm still in the process of like figuring out what is it that i want to put out there uh and what kind of videos i want to make so right now i was focusing on getting my setup ready like my camera and microphone and also getting okay. acquainted with the tools um for that, right now I'm trying out free software for uh, recording the audio, and then another one for editing the video. So I haven't really uh, done much yet. I just want to like get familiar with the tools and get comfortable, so that it's going to be easier in the future to start doing that. No, I think it's a it's a very good start. Uh, so what you know got you into podcasting? Uh, <laughs> I guess listening to a lot of podcasts. Which which one are your favorite ones? Like if you had to name like three, top three. Oof. Well, in the past, I would have. I, I was a big, big Joe Rogan fan. Uh, and I like yeah, Joe Rogan. It's great. It's just like I for I I listen to it regularly, and then I drop off, and then every now and then I'll I'll see uh, what guests are on, and then I'll check it out. But some of the ones that I've been listening uh, more recently are. Bill Burr, Bill Burr, uh, Monday, yeah, Bill Burr, yeah. the comedian, right? I mainly listen to comedy podcasts. I tried listening some like tech and business, but they didn't really catch my attention that much. Yeah, no, I, I tried getting into Wall Street, Wall Street Journal. Like it's it's fun. Like they they discuss about like business ideas and like economies of different countries and whatnot. But sometimes it gets very corporate, and you're like, am I just listening it to pay? You know get better like get a knowledge um well, well they require some, yeah. like a, actual paying attention but with the comedy podcast you don't yeah really, you just have to like listen in the background nice that's great um and then so how i when have you given your gmat even once yeah now? i did it once and i did i right. did as i expected i did really well in the verbal like the reading comprehension wow. and then the math uh, I, I noticed there were a lot of things that I need to brush up on, so I didn't do as well. Uh, so I'm not too worried. I mean, I think once I uh, I run through like the cheat sheet of like the formulas that you should know, I'll do well on the on the quantitative, and then for the verbal, I don't I don't think I'm gonna do much preparing for that. Yeah, I think verbal is. I think verbal is the most hardest part part at least for gmat i think that's very intense that's what i, that's what I so, hear uh but i think because yeah. of like all the reading i've been doing recently uh especially the newspaper reading the newspaper i think prepares you for for the type of questions that i ask because a lot of them ask you to 
read a paragraph and then they have a set of questions related to that paragraph. So with the news, yeah. if if I'm reading a story and then after I finish reading it, I don't know what it's about, then <laughs> then what's the what's the point of me reading it? So I think as I got better at that exactly uh, that help for those types of questions. What, what newspapers do you read at the moment? What newspaper? Uh, the New York Times. Yeah. New York yeah, Times. I got that? it because I heard that was like the the best for the crossword. <laughs> yeah. But I no, New York but I read fun, it yeah. uh, every time I consume any media. I try to I try to figure out whether there's a like a bias. And obviously I think New York Times is uh more uh liberal of the publications out there. Like for example the Washington Post tends to be more on the conservative side I've I've noticed. Okay. Yeah, I I wouldn't I haven't I haven't read that, so yeah, I have no <laughs> comments here. So did, did you give your GMAT? Uh was it online? Or was it in person? Was it during like during COVID? Oh the yeah, everything is online. Uh my actual the real one is gonna be in person at some facility here in Philly. Okay. Um I, I thought because the centers are closed. So I some guess of them are, yeah. Nice. And I mean, and you're applying for next year, like fall? Uh, yeah, I guess technically it would be fall 2022, I believe. I'm so excited. Yeah, if I do, if I, if I yeah, do well on the, on the GMAT, it's going to make the process a lot easier. <laughs> no, for sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for you, if you just get into UPenn, that'll be so much easier, right? Like, it's, that's like things are falling in place. Because you, you would want to stay yeah, in Philly, definitely. Right? Philly is great. Um, that's why I'm trying to move back. <laughs> like I, I had my fun share of fun in New York, uh, but I don't think so things are going to get back to normal soon. So I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking I'll go back and, you know, I have friends, you know, like all of you uh, and I have the friends from Drexel as well. So it'd be nice to go back, um, save some money on the rent as well. <laughs> it's pretty cheap. Well, cheaper there. than New York. <laughs> for sure. Exactly. So, you know, I'm excited for that. Um, uh, so, you know, I never like knew, uh, I know we met in like uh, junior year, but I never knew like what got you into like computer science. Uh, I never asked you, like what was your, like what's your reasoning and like what's your story behind? Hmm. Uh, you, because you, you did computer science, right? No, I did computer engineering. Com- sorry, okay, computer engineering, yes. Like, uh, and they both are different, right? Computer engineering e- and science. Yeah, uh, there were, there were a couple way? of computer science classes in my computer engineering program. Okay. Uh, I think just the right amount, but really it, the program was very heavy on electrical and uh, uh, I guess, yeah, just like electrical engineering, which has a lot of, a, a lot okay. of uh, fundamentals that you have to cover uh, for like. Anyway. So is it basically like devices? Like when you say electrical engineering, that's devices, right? Like any device, any electrical well, device? Well, even before you get to that, you have to uh, cover a lot of like physics uh, yeah, Physics. for like, okay. oh, man, it's been so long. <laughs> but I guess to answer your question, uh, I've always been a tinkerer. So when I was li- when I was a kid, I would always be building stuff. Um, some of the things that I remember building were like, I remember building a smoke uh, ring machine. I, I, smoke yeah, ring machine. A trash can that I cut a hole in, and then I attached a curtain. Uh, uh, a shower curtain on the other end, and then you would hit it, and they would make these perfect rings. So that was one of my experiments <laughs> I did. Uh, wow. Potato cannon. 
Uh, I did uh, an arcade, which is essentially just a computer where I built a case to go around it, and then I just did the circuits for the for the joysticks and the buttons. So I was always building stuff. So I always knew that I was going to be some kind of engineer. Uh, and okay. then I think I picked computer because by the end of my high school uh, career, I started getting into a little bit of programming. Uh, and my initial focus was to go into something involving robotics. Okay. So computer engineering just seemed like the best choice at the time. Uh, but then I found out uh when i got my first co-op when i first started learning about making apps i started liking uh web development and i found by like my second year of college that what i wanted to do wasn't gonna really be related that much to my program because there was a lot of like i said like physics engineering and math heavy and what i needed yeah. what i wanted to do didn't require that but i saw it as more of like a challenge whether I could finish the program because it, because it was a hard program, uh, to finish. I remember a lot of people dropping out after the first year. Uh, and then I stuck out with it. I didn't want to change into computer science because I thought that might be even harder than what I actually need. So I just focused on finishing computer engineering. No, that's great. I mean, so what I'm learning, it, it has a little bit of, pro did you do some programming, right? You said in computer engineering, not well? a lot, uh, yeah, not a lot. Only okay. like three or four classes, really. Got it. And and then what what are you doing right now at the moment? Um, uh, what what kind of job are you doing right now? And is it is it the same company uh, from the co-op? Well, not exactly. So that company had two okay. founders. Uh, one of them being my current boss. And at the time, his co-founder decided that she wanted to leave the business. So essentially, what my boss did was just end okay. that company and then make a new one. So I'm working for the new one right now. And what I do is, uh, I really like it because it, it involves dealing with the customer directly. So we sit down with the people who want to make an app. And then in the initial meeting, we, we always have one designer and one developer to essentially like answer, answer like the questions that you need to know before you even start planning about making the app. Uh, like why why are they like is it is it like the we are trying to understand the needs exactly. of the customer like you, why you are they try to understand their okay. needs what problem they want to solve and and then we essentially from from that we give them a, a rough estimate of what it would cost to like get the project done and then we we can advise the customer uh what what features to prioritize uh to help them with the budget and also fulfill the initial requirements they have for, for the problem they want to solve. And that's cool because in, in other jobs as, as developers, you just essentially get handed down a yeah. project that's already there and they tell you go solve this issue and whatnot, but you get involved right from the beginning, which is really cool. I think. I think that's a pretty cool process. Uh, so when you, when you say, so these are very client specific apps, right? You, um, is there a chance for like growth? Like it's, it's not a, you're not like a SaaS company, right? You only build apps according to the client needs and well that's, that's actually something done. we, we want to change uh we want to start making products of okay. our own and one that we're working on right now is a simulator for uh small businesses so it's essentially okay. uh, a simulation engine of you of you having a business and you start out with an initial sum of money and then in the game you get to make decisions of like the people that you hire the stuff that you build and right now what we're doing is we're using 
this uh, this app for uh, universities who want to teach entrepreneurship. We we sign them okay. up, and essentially what we give them is a it's an admin panel where they get to fill out specific problems from like the class. So like let's say like whether uh, I don't know you're developing an app and then a competitor uh, comes up and then you have the chance of like do you want to pivot your product or do you want to stay on and hire more resources? And initially we were we were we weren't sure if we wanted this to be. Uh, uh, consumer app so people can download and play like from the app stores or go uh, B2B where we sell these uh, this essentially a license to the program to universities so they can use it and right now we found that the second option of B2B is going to be uh, better for the for the app so we're doing that right now so s- simulation so is it basically like a game like a sims like sims you know yeah. have you played sims before Okay. That's essentially what it is. You just make decisions of what you want to do with your company next. Okay. And so it's, it's basically like, it's more, it, would you say it's more on the education side, you know, teaching students about entrepreneurship and starting a business? Yeah. Cause they get to, uh, the goal of the game is to complete 90 days, uh, first 90, 90 days, days of okay. owning a, a business and you, you can control what your employees work on, uh, what you spend your money on, and there's also like random events that affect your business and you have to react to those as well. I see. So who, who came up with this? Oh, this idea? is the, like, this uh, is the brainchild uh, of, of my boss. We've been, this is actually the third iteration of the game. Uh, the first okay. time we started and we didn't really have a lot of resources to dedicate to it because we were still working on client projects, but uh, now we 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 are at the point where we have uh, the broadband to to dedicate like a full team on it, and we've from the interest we've 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 seen from the universities, it warranted spending more uh, resources into it. So they they've already seen yeah the yeah we have a prototype. We already tested it okay. out uh, with two universities, and right now we're entering the second round, the the beta essentially. That's great. So I know you were talking about earlier about feature prioritization, mm-hmm. right? How how do you go about that at your, at your current like company and, and this product? Like, uh, like for example, and when, because uh, like let's say fifty users give you features, right? But how do you prioritize? Well, that? the clients usually have uh, a slew of ideas that they want for their app, and we run through yeah. what we call the pyramid exercise, where we set up a pyramid and we divide it in three segments: the top. The peak of the of the pyramid is like the twenty percent. That's the most important, and then the next uh, section is thirty percent of the pyramid. That's what we call the nice to have uh, features, and then the other fifty percent. That's like don't even worry about it. So what we do is we say, all right, you want to solve this problem? These are the features that are most important for this first iteration, and then we can begin planning for the next features. So when you when you say important, like so, how do you how do you decide that they are important? Um, is it, do you use some metrics or some like KPIs you have at work? Mm, not necessarily. Uh, we just view it as what is necessary. Uh, so, for example, if you if you have a social app, then the main features are going to be like posting content, uh, commenting, liking, sharing. Uh, those types of features. And if those are related, 
then we sort of sort of bundle it and tell the tell the client like this is going to take x amount of your of your budget and then with the remaining we would go into like all right what are some of the secondary features uh and for them it might be like uh, sign up through like sms or qr code and those are not necessary for the main feature which is the social aspect the posting and the liking and then after that they might have i don't know like another feature of like an email newsletter uh, newsletter which you okay. can set up for them but it would take uh x amount of hours and then that's above of what you have budgeted for this first iteration so that's typically how we do it we we we, we look at it from like what does it really need for it to do what you want the app to do so I mean, so do you also focus on focus on the MVP, the minimal viable product? Exactly, that's what we do. We focus on the MVP. That's great. So has has there been a you know like a scenario where you had to say no to a client? We can't build this. Like we can't have this feature. Yeah, but it's a lot easier to say no when you you scope everything out. You give them a, an itemized list of like yeah. the feature breakdown, and that way they get to see. Uh, they get to see the the value in dollars of the features, so it's easy to say deprioritize this, and that would leave you with more for the main features. So it's it's almost like saying no without saying no, because you're not you're not directly telling them you you can't prioritize this. We just show them the facts, and we essentially nudge them to make that decision. That's a pretty you know. So that's <laughs> and, a trick. And, and that's what I like because that's all coming from me as a developer. Yeah, I have to like. There's like a social aspect to it because it's uh, a, a normal developer. I mean, they don't, they wouldn't be put in that situation. You would just tell them do this. As, you yeah. know, you're not like dealing with the client and like you're not in a dialogue with them. No, I think that's a pretty cool role in the company you're at right now because you can wear multiple hats, right? Um, so that's I think that's a very cool experience. Uh, I mean, so at my current job also, I work as a PM, as a product manager. So basically do the same thing, you know, get the feature, like handle the feature intake process, the user interviews, and then give my team a user for a diagram and then tell them, this is, this is the goal we're trying to achieve. How can we achieve this? And this is when the design team will come in, do the prototype in Figma, and then we'll go back and forth. But I think in my, in my role, I don't understand like the, the back end of it. Like I can understand the basics like this, let's say the cloud architecture or let's say not the, I don't, I don't code. So I think you, you, you said you also code at, the, at your company, right? Yeah. And that can be an advantage and also a disadvantage. <laughs> Why is it a disadvantage? Because you have to be able to switch roles, uh, on very on a discreet way. You can't be 20% developer, 80%, uh, product manager you have to you have to look at a problem from the product uh, product manager's perspective and then yeah. once you're dealing with the development you have to be 100 percent developer so typically the best way to do this is to have a third party like you for example uh being like the bridge between these two but i found that most of the problems i've had at my job are when i can't uh i can't disassociate from a developer perspective where it can't be 100 percent product manager I see. Yeah, I think that's a very, yeah. I mean, because, yeah, because developers, they, when they start coding, they have to finish coding, they can't just switch in between. Uh, because I, I, I don't know, do you do you follow agile development? So like, do you have bi-weekly sprints? What's your development um, approach? The uh, it's a agile-like. Uh, we do have agile. Okay. We do have sprints. But the thing that complicates okay. that is that 
from an overall uh, resource scheduling perspective, sometimes you'll have yeah. uh, someone working on one project. You would have to uh, switch them with like another one based on like availability. So we do like a hybrid approach where we have an, a holistic view of what's being scheduled. And then we rely on the project leads to sort of be uh, PMs in their own respect. Okay. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty, yeah, that's a very unique, you know, I think that's very unique to your company. That's, that's very interesting and it's working so yeah, well, well right it's, now, right? It's one of the benefits of being a small company. You have more flexibility, you know, so you can solve problems in the way that works best for you. Yeah. So who are like the different, like, like, who you work with on a daily basis? We have the design team and then we have the development team. Uh, the process always okay. starts with a design team. They, uh, once they're done with their face, we are, we get what's called, uh, we use Marvel for prototyping. Uh, Marvel, Marvel, like Marvel Comics. And this pro okay. this prototype essentially serves as like the source of truth that developers use. And then they just hand that to the development team and they essentially just make it come uh, true, make it come to fruition. And do you also have a QA team? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the QA team works in both the design process because they do visual QA. They make sure that things are up to par with the requirements. And then they also do manual testing and we also do automated as well that's nice yeah I, i'm trying to get my team into unit testing um, we don't have a qa team and i'm just confused like my i'm trying to like approach my company my manager like we need a qa team and it's a big company who does, who does QA, like the developers, so many developers themselves i mean they don't have that much experience in testing to be honest so like, for example, me, uh, when I'm writing acceptance criteria, like I don't have that much technical skill in my, in my per se. Right. So, so like, for example, there was an idea to use cucumber language, like that's how you can write the unit test. And there's like a plugin in like Azure DevOps, you can do the automatic unit testing, but it didn't make sense to me. So still trying to get the team abroad, uh, you know, aboard any new softwares we can use third party or hire someone. So what um, works best for us is we prioritize manual testing over automated okay just because uh automated getting um uh, getting a good suite of automated tests for a uh, software it's really it's most beneficial when it's a project that uh is going to grow and multiple developers are going to work on it but when it's when we do a project that's essentially a single shot in three months it's out we really focus yeah. mainly on the manual testing because that allows us to find the bugs uh, much earlier and fix it. And it's also cheaper for the client because they don't have to spend a lot on uh, writing the automated tests. Yeah, that's another. Yeah, that's another hassle because you have to write those. But the, what, yeah. what school is our QA team? Since their whole experiences with mobile apps, like they just. They figured out yeah. every single way to break an app. <laughs> so it's, it's usually better than automated because automated tests are not great for catching uh, bugs. They're much better, I found, at finding out what something breaks when you introduce changes to the code base. So it's it wouldn't be like it's it's not the best approach to write those when we're not even done uh, writing the app, you know. I see. And is it, do you, does your team do continuous delivery or do you have schedule updates? 
I like to we do continuous uh, integration. So every time we push a change to the code base, uh, it automatically generates a build, and then the QA team can grab the latest one always. That is, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, and how, how big is the company? Uh, around 20 people. That's nice. And it, how did you find this company? Was it was Drexel, it so yeah, one of the co-ops. And I essentially fell in love with it because the founder at the time at the other company, he was still doing uh, a little bit of development. And when they hired me, I actually had zero experience. I mean, I didn't even know what GitHub was. And it was really cool that uh, the founder had the, the time to spend with me, like teaching me the basics. And then they started giving me small assignments. Uh, I remember the first actual contribution that I did for one of the projects for a client was uh, uh, making the the login pages and like the login flow. That was like, that was like our rite yeah. of passage. That's what we got new developers started with. That's pretty cool. I wish I did that because for me, I got into product management after I graduated from my master's. <laughs> so I wish I knew that earlier uh, or like even like working, you know, as a, as a PM project manager also for like a tech uh, like a startup also. So that's pretty cool. You that's one of the reasons why I'm going for an MBA because I found that like a lot of the decisions that I was making when I was pro uh, project manager, uh, I yeah. think if I had more of a business knowledge, uh, I would have made better decisions. So right now. For sure, definitely. Because you know, every like, you know, there's an approach, right? Why are you making a decision? So there's like a framework you're following or like just doing analysis and then that's when you make yeah. the decision. So I think business school is definitely yeah. the right choice. And now so I don't have to do and, any of that. I can just do like my development and also like the sales part, which I like. It's what I'm right now. Yeah. Like work, work on the strategy side, right? Like how you can grow the business and like sales. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. So are, are you also, do you have any side projects? Oh, you're working all on? the time. Uh, I, because I remember I, I tried, I, I remember using your app, the Word app. Uh, Word, feed, word feed, yeah. Uh, word feed, yeah. I sort of placed it in the back burner uh, just because I wanted to get an app out there uh, that I could use. Yeah. And it works for me for what I wanted to use. Uh, but uh, I'm kind of <laughs> bored with it at the moment. Like, I don't really want to grow it. I, al I always like starting new projects better than finishing them, which is a problem. But uh, I, I have a folder of pages that I have full of app ideas. I always start projects on a blank sheet of paper and I like drawing the screens and like writing like the features. And a lot of times I don't actually start those projects. Uh, but other times I do start them and I leave them as sort of prototypes. Uh, but right now uh, I'm working on a website for my family's uh, business. We're, we're starting to sell a it's it's essentially crushed up dried habaneros and it's just like a condiment that you put on food and wow crushed up and are they are they from Mexico? uh yeah yeah but in the future they're going to okay. be sourced from other places because habaneros are very common in a lot of places in the world uh yeah. but it's cool because i've my main focus has always been apps so now i'm shifting to websites and uh, it's all it's kind of new, but not really. The, the, the real difference this time is that I have to get more into the design because I'm coming up with the design and the implementation, whereas in my job, I just 
get the design handed from from the design team. So I've actually right now I'm learning a little bit about design and how to use like Figma and other prototyping tools and design tools. And the main problem that I have right now is that I can't get uh, Photoshop because it's, it's super expensive. So I'm working with free alternatives that I found. So are you, are you also doing the front end of it? Are you building the all in JavaScript? Everything, yeah. Everything's uh, in HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. Uh, you can use frameworks such as Angular and React. Yeah. But yeah. I wanted to start just with plain HTML, CSS, and JavaScript first. And then if I need something, then I'll add on a framework. And then are you, is it going to be purely like, you know, like, you know, you can just go look at what the spice is. You can also buy. Is it, are you setting up a payment no, system? We're just going to sell through Amazon. So the website. Okay. It will be just a direct link, a short link that you can go to Amazon exactly. and buy the spice. But in the website itself, uh, I'm going to focus on A-B testing. I want it. I want the site to be set up so that we can do A-B testing. Um, and the other aspect of the website is that we're going to have recipes for people to do. We plan on, on every, um, on every, what would you call it? It's like a glass, it's like a glass vial where the, we have the pepper on the label. We want to have a QR code so that people can scan it and go directly to our recipe on the website. So each bottle will have a different recipe. Yeah. We'll have a once. Like uh, a third of them be like for this recipe, and then another for another, and that's where we'll we'll have to do the A/B testing as well. And right now we have two uh, presentations of the product. We have a small travel size, and then we have a nicer uh, glass uh, like family, family size. size that you can have like at the table, and it's prettier. Uh, so one thing that I want to do is I want to do an A-B test of which products should be featured like as soon as you open the website. Yeah. Uh, but so, And are you doing all by yourself or are you hiring it? No, like, all, all, all by myself. And right now what I'm going to do okay. is I'm going to give myself two weeks to get a prototype out there. And if it works, then great. We just use it. But if it takes more than that, then I think what we're going to do is we're just going to build a generic site with either like Wix or Shopify uh, just so that we can start handling. Uh... Yeah, because they have a pretty good infrastructure, right? They have all the support. They have all the designs. All you have to do is just, you know, basically design it. Uh, that takes all the... I well, think not even because they have great templates out there that you can use. But yeah, okay. That's nice. So for what we need, we don't since we're not doing sales directly through the site, then I don't think we're yeah. going to leverage the tools that Shopify. That makes so sense. So if we can avoid using that platform and just go with with my static website, then we won't have to pay the forty dollar or whatever it is uh, monthly payment. Yeah, per month. Yeah, and you still have to pay Amazon though, right? How much? How much percentage? Uh, of like the profit did they take? Is it revenue? Is it profit? Is it sales? Uh, that I'm actually not sure. Uh, that's okay. something that I'll have to start looking into because we'll also need to figure out distribution costs. That's going to be another thing. We yeah. know how much we want. We we know what our what we want our margin profit to be. So we'll have to calculate the the total uh, cost based on that. 
but doesn't Amazon provide the distribution though? That's because... what I've heard. Uh, but because we we okay. haven't created the stores yet, I haven't gotten into it. But I'm sure once uh, once we do that, I'll start seeing all the different options that they offer. Yeah, but I think I think regarding the fees, I think it's twenty thirty percent. That's how much. Oh, is it? That's on the sales. That's like over. Eight. Yeah, that's how Amazon makes so much money. Yeah, it's that's why people don't like selling on Amazon. <laughs> Sometimes they like. I knew so that about money. Uber Eats that they charge thirty percent, uh, and yeah. I thought that was super high. So for for a time, I was actually considering creating an app for small businesses to uh, to handle the delivery, so that they could so that if someone orders. Uh, this is for food primarily. Uh, so you can provide okay. that uh, order tracking flow that Uber Eats has, but for free, yeah. so that we wouldn't be taking commission off of that. But if you, if you think about the other thing, right? Like Uber Eats also has a customer base, right? How are you going to bring your customer base? Like because people know about Uber, they also have like you know, to, yeah, they're credible, right? Like than you. And again, I think I think for them it's more about customer because let's say ten million users use the app every day. So, so. this is something that's actually great for for uh, the type of stores that I was considering in Mexico because a lot of them are like informal businesses. Uh, okay. So they rely. They use like WhatsApp to handle orders, and I figured if they're if they're doing if it's something that's like cash only, and yeah. you take the payment aspect away. If you can, let's say they, they still use WhatsApp to do the orders. Well, let's say that now you have the option of giving the the user a link that they can click to track the order. I think that would be a pretty cool addition that a lot of these businesses don't have the 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 budget to spend on. Nothing. I think that'd be pretty cool. And you you say you'll be you just do it as as a side yeah. Project. Like right now, I'm looking. Uh, if I can do a project that benefits someone, uh, the benefit for me yeah. is that it's something that I can add on to my portfolio. So I'm not necessarily looking yeah. to sell it as a business or anything like that. Yeah, and I think once it, it's picking up, then you can see if you want to, you know, maybe make some profit out of that. And this whole, like, yeah. and this whole website because, uh, making business, I wanted yeah. to do it as an option so that if I want to do school full time, obviously I wouldn't be able to yeah. work full time on my job, but I still want. Uh, to supplement my income in some way. So I think making websites, if it's something that can take me less than two weeks, and then I'll, I think that'll be a good way to supplement my income. No, for definitely. And I think right now, if you, if you look at COVID, right, how our own, like, so many things have changed and everything is moving digital. So I think that's a very good space to get into right now. That's like, cause, like yeah, the sweet every, spot right every now. business needs a website. Exactly. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, so who came up with this idea? Like, you know, uh, let's uh, try Habanero. Uh, so we initially started growing Habaneros. And right now we... Okay. And was it like a farm? Like, was it on like commercial size or was it just for your house? I mean, for your family? No, we, we had a farm and we started, we started supplying okay. uh, some of the supermarkets there at my hometown. And that grew and we couldn't keep up with the production. So right now what we focus on is uh, buying and selling. Got it. So then, and, and did you do a testing on oh, this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, we like, we have the product itself. We finished. It's it's out there already, and we started by like gifting it to our uh, friends uh, of the family, and getting their feedback. And so far, they've loved it. Nice man. Where, where's my gift? Huh? <laughs> I know we'll have to get you a, <laughs> a, a a gift package once it's out there. Once it's in the U.S., because right now it's all in Mexico. 
Oh, awesome Mexico. Nice. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to try it. And is, is it supposed to give, like, what kind of flavor is it? Is it just no, spiciness? So does it have, like, a lime flavor? Once you try the habanero, it actually has yeah. uh, almost like a coffee, chocolatey note. And coffee, chocolatey yeah, note? And the spice wow. is, it starts pretty subtle, but it grows. Okay. Uh, so it's not like the sweet chili that you would get from, like, a lime uh, flavor chili powder. It's more something that you yeah. can use on like soups uh, or meat uh, or even to make your own salsa with, with, with this powder. If you have just like a tomato and onion and then you grill and put them in a blender, if you put some of the chili powder, you make a great salsa out of that. Wow. Like, you know, so would you say main, main like use of this pepper is like, would you like meat? Like that's the best. Well, that's one. Uh, uh, we don't want to limit okay. ourselves and that's partly why we want to have uh recipes out there on the website we want to give people more okay. ideas to use the pepper so they use more and then they buy more and yeah. something that give us gave us uh, uh a, a great sign uh that what we're doing is going to be a good business is that we actually found that obviously in like a lot of asian cultures spice is is, is really big and I think my dad got the idea to start the business when he was he was in Germany one time and he asked uh, the waiter at a restaurant. He said, hey, do you have anything uh, spicy to add to my meal? And he said, oh, sure. Just one second. And he brought back dried habaneros. <laughs> and then he, <laughs> wow. he said, wow, like and even here in Germany, uh, he wouldn't expect them to bring out that. But it's obvious that it's, it has potential anywhere in the world. No, I think definitely, and and if you're selling it dry, I'm assuming what's the life like life of that? Oh, shelf life like, is, I'm pretty sure you can. I mean, I don't know exactly, but it, it it can last a while. Yeah, so I can imagine. I think that's a good. Um, yeah, but I, I, I did you also do like a competitor analysis? Like, are there any competitors in this like for this product right now? Mm, not directly. Uh, there's people that sell okay. dry rubs, like for actually for meat, uh, and then the other chili powder that's popular in Mexico, uh, tahin, uh, that's tahin. more so for like fruits. It has more of a sweet flavor. Uh, you know, it's also like at like lime. Yeah. In, they right? put some, some lime juice in there. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so this is actually a bit unique, uh, because, of, uh, in order for you to get that sort of spice, you would have to like make a salsa really. I'm excited. I'm excited to try that salsa. Uh, yeah, once we, I mean, once we start selling it, uh, we're gonna yeah. start seeing uh, how it does in the U.S. and then depending on that, we'll we'll expand. So, I mean, when you say U.S., are you gonna do your own marketing search? Also, what people actually like here in the city or like the state? Um, are you gonna just, you know, go and just sell the same product? Because you know what I'm saying. You have to position your product. Like different customer segments, different, different uh, cities. Have you thought about that? Mm, not really. Uh, so okay. we're only selling one at the moment. Uh, we have in we have plans in the future to introduce uh, also dried jalapeno like, and another type of dried pepper, just to give a different flavor profile. But I think the use the the user segment of people that will use this product is is going to be the same. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. Oh, and so when, when is it launching? Do you have a launch date yet? Uh, we are planning to start selling in Mexico as early as in like a month or two. 
and right now we're waiting on the U.S. to we, we're getting uh, FDA approval. So that's what we're waiting on right now. So as soon as that's ready, and as soon as the website's ready, we'll we'll start selling. In yeah. the U.S. also. Yeah. That, that's pretty. And did did you get involved with FDA? I approval? did. And my my dad handled it. Okay, and that's that's pretty cool to like you know wow you have to selling a product what what do you I mean I'm pretty sure they do like lab tests and everything. yeah I'm not sure uh, it was nice because like my dad handled everything from making the company registering it and doing that so I it it really just left me with getting the Amazon store set up and also the website. I see, and then. What are your what are your plans after you graduate when you do your MBA? Do you want to go work for a company or you start start something on my own? Definitely. Uh, there's a lot of entrepreneurship in my family. My sisters had a nail salon line for ten years, uh, and then they sold it. And right now, my dad is uh, involved with with one of my cousins. They have uh, a food business in Mexico where it's almost like a it's almost like a stuffed bun it's a bread that we stuff with different fillings uh and that's going really well uh so there's always yeah there's always been a lot of entrepreneurship in my family so i think that's what i'm gravitating towards i think that that's a good space to be yeah uh because i am trying to go back to for my mba um hopefully and get in a year so i have to spend two years in it uh, and then just go because even my my father is like an entrepreneur like he has a has an engineering business back in india but yeah. I think with the entrepreneurship, like I think you get the you, you get to I get play by your own rules, and you get the in, in I think you're not just combined by confined by you know the politics and uh, like you know any 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 of the company. Yeah, I think it's the right fit for me uh, because I'm very um, I'm very risk tolerant, and I also enjoy making uh, decisions. I don't think I could see myself working in a place where I don't have a say in what I work on. Uh, so yeah. that's another reason why I want to go into entrepreneurship. I want to be essentially responsible for, for all of it. That's pretty exciting, man. You know, um, hopefully, you know, we'll see what kind of business you start. Maybe we are in the same, same industry. Who knows? I, <laughs> After I know. two or three years. We'll have to see. We'll have to see where we are at. But I think so. We're reaching end towards our uh, podcast. Um, so usually, uh, what I ask, like my guests, is uh, what recommendation for the week, and it could be anything. Um, is, is there something you want to share? Oh uh, yeah. For this week? So the first book that I finished in 2021 was it's called Loser Think by Loser Think. Let me note it down. Yeah, it Loser, be Loser Think by enough. Scott Adams. Uh, this would fall into the self help category, but uh, I really liked it because it, there was a little bit of politics in it. It's essentially a book that teaches you uh, what thought patterns to avoid when analyzing headlines or analyzing uh, events that happen in the media. And the guy, Scott Adams, he's the creator of the comic strip Dilbert. And he talks about how like he is a perpetrator of these like bad thought patterns. So he teaches you from experience how to avoid these uh, thought patterns. Uh, yeah, I would recommend wow. it. I think uh, if you're into that sort of thing, self-help, uh, I think it's a great book to. No, I think I'll definitely, I'll definitely give it because I just finished this book uh, like three weeks ago called King 
lover okay. magician um and it just talks about like you know um like how a boy like a man like us never grows into a manhood so it's it's a pretty cool book uh, they compare like the four archetypes you know basically like a lover a king musician and they compare like how a maturity is achieved and now how it's it's not achieved in today's world because we always we always have the inner mm-hmm. child inside us um so they talk about like the rituals like back in the amazon like amazon uh, tribes what they did like whenever a, a boy turns 16 they will throw him in the jungle and ask and if the, if he, if he survives he comes out stronger right because he lived with the animals and what not and that's when they have a ritual where a, a wise guy let's say his father or his grandfather will come in and give him some wisdom and they'll have a celebration and that's when he actually turns into a man and so they compare about like today's world like how every you know parents are busy they don't have like you know they're, they're not able to provide that much wisdom but people who do that's great but they they talk about generic um so it's a pretty uh, cool book you should you should read if you, uh, if you have some time it's not that uh, i think what was the name of it? uh it's called king king warrior magician lover all right by douglas chillet yep and robert nice. Elmore, yeah. i'll write it down i, I have to uh I have a queue of books that I have. Nice. Do you use any app to? No, I just write it down on a piece of paper. Uh, okay. I usually started using Goodreads, so I, there are, that's what I like. I open my phone. Someone recommends me a book. I put it on my reading list, like to read list. So surprisingly, like I usually my queue changes all the time because um, I'll be reading one book and then yeah. some uh, either in the book itself or online when you look up the book. Uh, I'll find like a recommendation, and I'll 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 just want to read that next rather than go to my list and go to the the next book down the list. That's great. Uh, and do you do you read them on Kindle? Or you just buy them on Amazon. I usually I usually do like Kindle because I, I like the okay. the ability to search. But uh, yeah, I still prefer I think paperback. You see, I mean, I I used to do that too, but I just don't want to like move with those books especially in the states like it gets oh yeah gets if, it's big, a, like. if it's a small book that i don't mind carrying around then that's fine but and i, I started reading um crime and punishment but that's a that's a big old book that's like 800 pages so when I, I had the physical book in mexico and then when i flew back i i said this is too big so i just downloaded it on kindle and finished it there <laughs> that's nice and i guess you you'd probably buy yeah. off kindle right because I know there are like some free sources that you can buy, you can just take the books off, but that's nice. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Uh, this was great.